0: Uh, Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, if you would. We are winding down our series entitled "Alive Together." Uh, We've been at it since the beginning of last year uh, as we've gone verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, Uh, and so we uh, no no verses that we've skipped. We've uh, talked about every single one of them, what they mean, as we've uh, looked into Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. We find ourselves today in Ephesians chapter six as we're going through the armor of God, a very uh, popular passage of Scripture, very well known passage of Scripture. We're taking a look at each piece of the armor of God and exactly what it means to us. Uh, last week, we took a look at the uh, be- belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, today, we're going to take a look at the uh, shoes of the gospel of peace, uh, as well as the uh, shield of faith. And so, uh, grab your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be at this morning. <coughs> we're starting verse number 10, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power Many folks, when they begin following Jesus, uh, begin to be surprised that life is still difficult. Uh, Somewhere along the way, we have commercialized Christianity and packaged it up in a beautiful consumer package that says, if you follow Jesus, all of your problems will go away. Unfortunately, that's not a biblical truth at all. So sometimes people, when they begin following Jesus, they say, I'm trying to do everything the right way. I'm trying to be in church. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to look at myself and fix any sin issues that I've got going on. I'm really trying to to please the Lord in my life. But things are still difficult. Uh, Welcome to the Christian life, simple as that. Following Jesus doesn't take our problems away. It just gives us a whole new tool set to work through our problems. Following Jesus doesn't take our problems away. It just means that we'll never have to walk through our problems alone ever again for the rest of our lives because he's promised to be with us and fight alongside us. The Bible speaks much of the Christian life as a battle that we're engaged in. Uh, Not just this passage of scripture, but multiple other passages of scripture that Paul's written. uh, It speaks of the Christian life as a battle that we go through. If you read through the book of Psalms, David uh, can, can compares and contrasts military battle with the life of trying to live a life that pleases and honors the Lord. It's just a battle, simple as that. But the good news is, is the victory has already been assured for us. Uh, We're gonna win this battle, no doubt about it, uh, because God has promised us the victory. Uh, I uh, enjoy playing competitive sports. I I love a good game of basketball. I love a good game of Uno. Uh, I love a good game of uh, just anything where we can compete against something, right? And I'm really good at Uno, so watch out with that, all right? I I love to compete. And it's always better when you know that you're against an unmatched opponent. It's always good to know when you know that you're going to win. Uh, My son Vanderlei came out uh, the other night and he was playing uh, some uh, wrestling game on uh, the Xbox. And I said, Van, do you remember when you were a kid? And I didn't even finish my sentence. And he said, Dad, I remember. I used to beat him so badly in wrestling that he would cry and ask me to stop. And his mom would come in the room. She's like, Anthony, stop being so rough. I no, it's fun to beat this snot out of an (laughs) eight-year-old, especially when the eight-year-old talks trash and thinks that they can beat you, right? Uh, And so he's like, Dad, you want a rematch? I was like, nope, I've won. It's already over with, Right. (laughs) I won a long time ago, and I'm just going to coast on my past victory. But here's the good thing. When we fight against the devil, when we fight against this world, it's not a fair fight. We are far overmatched to defeat our foe. We have every tool that we need in our resources to be able to come out victorious every single time. Paul, as he writes the uh, letter to the church at Ephesus, he's writing this letter from prison. And some theologians and, and thought uh, people who think about the Bible and, and write about the Bible think that maybe Paul was looking while he was in prison at a Roman soldier who would have been there keeping watch in prison and began to look at his armor and draw parallels between the Christian life and the armor that the Roman... Uh, soldier would have been wearing in this case. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but he goes through and breaks down what he calls the armor of God. Last week, we took a look at having our loins girt about with truth. Now, just by way of of review this morning, uh, this did not mean that we were to wear a girdle. As a kid, I always thought to myself, that is so unmanly to wear a girdle. That's not what he's talking about. It basically was a belt, uh, generally a type of rope that was worn around the waist, Uh, Because they would wear long robes in that time, when it came time to uh, run, when it came time to fight, when it came time to get engaged or get involved in anything, they would take the bottoms of their robe, they would roll it up, and they would tuck it in their belts. And that was called girding up your loins. Uh, that left their their legs free to be able to run, to be able to fight, to be able to do whatever needed to get done. Uh, Think of it in in terms of today's vernacular. We would say, at that point, we're rolling up our shirt sleeves and getting down to business. That was girding up your loins. And the thing that holds all of this together, the thing that allows us to even begin this battle that we're engaged with, the very first thing that we're supposed to do is gird up our loins with truth. Now, for Christians, our truth is not uh, a truth that might be right for me or might be right for you. Our truth is found in the Word of God. And everything that we do is held together by the Bible. Uh, We believe that the Bible is the Word of God from cover to cover. It's perfect. It is without error. It is directly inspired. God himself, the word inspired means breathed out by God. Uh, We don't believe that there's any parts of the Bible that we can kind of set aside that we don't need. We don't believe that there's any part of the Bible that were uh, misinterpreted or maybe lost in translation somewhere or maybe even lost forever. We believe that the Bible is complete, cover to cover. It is the word of God, and we have built our life upon this. It's the foundation for everything that we do. As Bible-believing Christians, we would say that we believe the Bible is true and it's good for all matters of faith and practice. What that means is we as Christians don't do anything unless it's guided by the Bible. And with that mindset, with that perspective, we fight. So when something comes at me this week, I know that the Bible already has the answer for it. That's what it means to gird up my loins with truth. Before I ever get out of bed, I know in my mind that the Bible and God have everything that I need to make it through that day. And if I need wisdom, if I need to know the playbook, if I need to know how to do battle in a particular situation, I know the Bible has the answer. That's the belt of truth. Next, we saw, Last week, we saw the breastplate of righteousness. <coughs> Now, the breastplate that would be worn by a soldier protected all the major vital organs on the front. It was incredibly important. You didn't go out into battle without a breastplate of some sort on. Uh, generally, it would be made out of some type of, uh, of metal, uh, sometimes leather even. But the whole purpose was to uh, protect the vital organs against any type of harm or damage that would come to it. And for us in the Christian lives, the way that we protect our heart and we protect our vital or- organs is through Righteousness. This is doing what's right. Falling in line with what the Bible says. And know this, when you choose to disobey the Bible, you have taken off your breastplate and you've gone into battle unprotected. It's important to note too that when Paul starts off this, he says taking on the whole armor of God. You don't get to say, well, I believe the Bible's true. I just don't wanna follow it. You're not putting on all the armor of God then. You're leaving yourself exposed. And know this, when you disobey the Bible, when you decide to go things your own way, you take off the breastplate of righteousness. Know this, you are incredibly vulnerable to attack and it's only a matter of time before you are dead because you cannot disobey the Bible and expect things to go well. It just doesn't work that way. So the breastplate of righteousness, doing what God's word says, protects our heart, our major vital organs. As we uh, move through this passage here uh, this, uh, this morning, If we take a look at uh, verse number 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. We talked about that. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about that. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is talking about the shoes that we wear. These are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, if you've ever uh, walked any length of uh, time or you've ever been uh, in any type of sport, you know how important shoes are. Having the right kind of shoes. Uh, when you play uh, basketball, you want to make sure that you have shoes that are right for your feet. Uh, you want to make sure that they, you get to break them in before game day and things like that. Uh, many times uh, shoes, especially in basketball, become more of a fashion statement than anything else, and that's okay sometimes too. Um, if you're a runner, you know that you never run a race in brand new shoes. You always want to get them broken in first, right? Uh, nothing new on race day, ever. Uh, you take shoes that have been broken in that are, are, are good, they're faithful, and you get your favorite pair of shoes that you run a race in. Uh, If you you go to the gym and lift weights, depending on what type of lift that you're going to do on that day, you might wear a different type of shoe uh, for that particular given day. Shoes are really important. They protect our feet. And if you get your feet messed up, you're you're done. Blisters. uh, Man, I don't know how many people have ever caught uh, their big toe on the side of a piece of furniture and just kind (laughs) of splits in half like that. You know how important shoes are in a moment like that, right? You ever have children who have had Legos before? You know how important it is to walk with shoes, even in the house sometimes, right? Painful. Shoes can really mess you up. As you study uh, the uh, history of the world, you'll find that many times uh, major battles were won because the armies were outfitted with the appropriate types of shoes that they wore. Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great won because uh, many battles because of the shoes that their men wore. In biblical times, the Roman soldiers would have went, worn a type of shoe that had some type of nail or metal spikes on them on the bottom. Think of it like, uh, like we would think of as cleats today. Now, this would have been huge 2,000-plus years ago, uh, to have shoes like this. This would allow them to go through rugged terrain, allow them to to stand uh, in very difficult situations when being pushed back by an enemy. It would allow them to have sure footing and sure foundation. And for you and I, we need a sure footing in this battle. If you take a look at verse number uh, 13, I believe it is. It says, wherefore, take in you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That word to stand means to toe the line. I'm not gonna give up an inch. We have a line drawn in the sand and I'm not going backwards. If anything, I'm pushing forward. And having the right kind of shoes on is gonna allow me to be able to push forward and make sure that I don't get pushed back seems every time I ever ever have to push a car, sometimes when I see somebody stopped in traffic and we need to push their car off to the side or my car breaks down and I have to push it over to the side or something like that. Every time it happens, I'm wearing slippers. I don't know why that is, uh, but those are the worst things in the world to ever try to push something in. Uh, Not to mention, uh, my favorite slippers are locals from Long's, right? Uh, $4.99 slippers that every single time you put any pressure on them, they pop out every single time, right? In times like that, it would be appropriate to have on shoes with solid footing, right? If we're in the battle, we can't afford to forget to put our shoes on or even worse, put on the wrong shoes. So what is going to hold us in place? What's gonna give us the sure footing that we need to fight, to continue to push forward and to make sure we don't give up an inch? The Bible says it's the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our sure footing is in the peace that we have with God. Here's an interesting thought. In spiritual battle, the Bible tells us there is good versus evil. You and I, when we are born into this world, are not automatically on God's side. We're actually against God. If you read Romans chapter five, the Bible says that we were enemies of God. So if there are two sides that are fighting, and there's God's side, which will ultimately win, and there's the other side, which is evil, you and I automatically started on the wrong side of the fight. That's where we began. And there might be somebody here today who is still on the wrong side of the fight. But the Bible says we are born into our sinful condition. We've all broken God's law. We've all sinned against God. God's commandments that he's given to us and we have found ourselves fighting against God. And the Bible says he's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. The Bible says that uh, the wages of our sin is death. Because of our sin against God, we will die one day. We'll stand before God in judgment. And the Bible says, this is incredibly important, for all those that oppose God and oppose his law and his rule, the Bible says that there's a place prepared for them and it's a place called hell. It burns with real fire for all of eternity. And automatically, when you and I are born into this this world, that is our default destination when we die. But the good news is God didn't want that to happen. So God loves you. God loves me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to this world was to make a way for us to be able to go from the enemy side over to God's side. And we don't just get to one day wake up and decide, well, I think I'm gonna go to God's side. There's a process that we have to go through and the process is called being saved or born again. And this is the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life because it not only changes your life here on earth, but it changes your, where you spend eternity. There's only two places, the Bible says. There's heaven and there's hell. Jesus says it really clearly in John chapter 14, verse number six. He says, I am the way the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus has said that he is the only way to heaven. There's no other way other than through Jesus Christ. Jesus says it again, clearly, John chapter 3. He's speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Really important words there. So if you want to go from being an enemy of God to now being a child of God, the only way to do that is to be born again, is to have a time in your life where you recognize, I've sinned, I've broken God's law, I deserve to go to hell when I die because of the wrong that I've done, but I put my faith in Jesus as my savior. I repent of my sin, I recognize that I'm wrong and I'm turning from my sin and turning to Jesus to be saved. The Bible says that if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you can be saved. Friend, is there a time in your life where you've been saved? If not, you are destined for an eternity separated from God in hell. And let me tell you this, when it comes to battle, you don't have God fighting on your side, you're actually fighting against God. And let me just tell you, you will not win. But... The good news is today you will put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can be saved. You can be now on the right side of the battle and you can be promised victory through this battle. So the sure footing that we have is knowing that we now have peace with God. We don't have to wonder, is he for me or is he against me? We know that we are at peace with God in this battle I'm sure this has never happened to anybody in this room, but from time to time, I've been a part of organizations that have workplace drama. Uh, I I know none of you folks have ever had anything like that, anywhere that you've ever worked before, but have you ever had people that were supposed to be on your team that were actively working against you and everything you tried to do? Have you ever had that happen before? I've had that happen before. And sometimes, I've been in a couple of work environments that were so toxic that you had to wonder who was even on your side. And it was almost like people were split up into teams amongst the people that were supposed to be on a team fighting against each other. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can think in the Christian life that God is against us. Well, all this is happening because God's mad at me. Well, this is going not going my way because you know God's trying to teach me a lesson or something like that. Hey, hold up, God's on your side. And we have peace with God. Knowing that he is fighting for us, that gives us sure footing. If I think that God's against me, that's going to push me back and I'm not going to be able to stand strong the way that I should. So we have sure footing knowing that we have peace with God. Now, let's be very clear. When you sin against God, God is greatly displeased by that. If you continue to sin against God, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God will chastise you. The word chastise means to physically discipline you the way that one would spank a child. Does he do that because he hates your guts or because he's mad at you or trying to teach you a lesson? He's doing it because he loves you. And if you're enduring chastening of the Lord, it's because he loves you. Never cause that to cause you to doubt God's love for you. God loves you. That's why he's fighting for you, not against you. And we have peace with God because of the cross. We have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And that gives us sure footing. This gives us courage and his unconditional love. Many times people think that God loves them because of their behavior. Well, God loves me because I'm reading my Bible and I'm going to church. And I'm trying to do the good stuff. So God loves you because he loves you. When you fail God, God still loves you. And God doesn't love you based on how good you are or uh, love you less based on how bad you are. He loves you unconditionally. And that's really critical because you cannot do anything to earn God's love. God's love is a grace that he gives us, not anything that we've done to deserve it. God loves you and he loves you unconditionally. And that helps me to stand firm. You know why? Because I'm tempted when I blow it, when I mess up, when I fall into sin. I'm tempted to just say, bah, whatever, and give up. I don't know how many people, again, this has probably never happened to anybody in this room, but you decide you're gonna start eating more healthy, right? On Monday, I'm gonna start eating salads. I'm gonna drink a, a kale smoothie for breakfast. I'm not gonna have any fried foods, no sugar for the next 30 days. I'm gonna eat good food that's healthy for me. And then by like five o'clock in the afternoon, you've had three donuts and a milkshake from McDonald's, right? And what do you do? Bah, I'm just gonna be fat for the rest of my life. I'm just gonna be unhealthy. This is just who I am, right? And we, we just like, ah, forget it. Or maybe even I'll try again next Monday, right? And many times people do that in their relationship with God. I'm gonna try to do the right thing. And when they blow it, they're just like, ah, I knew I wasn't cut out for this. Ah, I, I knew I couldn't do this. But God's unconditional love says, hey, it's okay. You don't have to wait till next Monday. You just have to fix what's broken today. Hey, you sin, that's what grace is for. Get back on track, dust yourself off, get back in the fight. God's unconditional love gives us that type of courage that we don't have to quit. We don't have to give up. We don't have to work on our own power. We can work in the power of God. This gives us hope in his commitment to fight for us Again, I don't have to wonder if God's on my side. I don't have to wonder if God's trying to work this out for me. I don't have to wonder if God's gonna give me the strength in the battle because he's promised me and that gives me sure footing. I can stand strong knowing that God is on my side and he has committed to fight for me. This also gives us a sense of belonging and being one with him and being a part of his family. Because I know of the peace that I have with God, I know that he is my father and I am his son and he loves me unconditionally as a son. Because of that, because I am a son, I'm placed into his family with other sons and daughters. We would call this the local church. And we're here as a part of this body today, not based on how good we are, but based on how great our God is. You're not here because you got it all together, right? I think all of us would agree to that. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. None of us are the shining example of how a Christian should be, although we work to try to be that example. None of us have made it. All of us are here because we are in great need of God's help. And that's what gives us the ability to stand. I know that I'm loved by God. I know that I have peace with him. I know that he's my father and I'm his son. And I know that I have a family that has committed to pick me up when I fall. And that gives me strength, courage, and determination in the midst of the battle. I told somebody a couple of weeks ago, I said, you need to be a part of a church family that's way different than attending church services. And I I can't emphasize that enough, the importance of the local church, and we'll see why that's even more important in just a little bit as we take a look at the shield of faith. But this sure footing and the peace that we have with God also gives us the peace that victory has already been won. I don't have to wonder how this is going to work out. I just have to know that it's going to work out in the way that God wants it to. Now, let's please be careful in understanding. God doesn't take orders from anybody. And there is a perverted gospel out there that says, tell God what you want and he's obligated to give it to you. That's not a biblical truth remotely. God is God, God is sovereign. The Bible says that I should pray and, and tell God what's on my heart. That's important. But at the end of the day, God doesn't answer to me. And so when we say that God's gonna work everything out and God's gonna give victory in accordance with his plan for victory. It's a man in our church, uh, Bill Pican, I hope you'll pray for Bill and his mom. Uh, Bill's mom, Lorraine. Uh, is uh, battling brain cancer right now. They've only given her a few days to live. They've called hospice in. Uh, he's in New York with his mom right now. Uh, They'd given her one to two years to live. This was uh, three weeks ago. One to two years to live. Uh, Bill's gonna go back. She was gonna have surgery. He was gonna take care of his mom for How long God gave her. He moved back to, was in the process of moving back and he went back for the, the surgery that she was having. They said the surgery would alleviate a lot of the problems in her brain and motor skills and speech and stuff like that. She had the brain surgery and only made it worse. And they had um, the doctor said we've done everything we can do. The the tumor had actually spread to the other side of her brain. It was causing more problems than they'd anticipated. It was faster growing and faster moving than they'd first thought. They basically said there's not a lot that we can do with her. We can try aggressive treatment in in the hospital, or you can take her home and let her live out her last days there. And that's what they decided to do. I've been really encouraged by Bill over the last week though, because he'll send me a text message and say, Hey, Pastor. Um, God's been really good to us. I'm sitting with my mom and reading the Bible to her and uh, praying with her and just trying to keep her encouraged. She said, I'm thankful that my mom's saved and I know that we have heaven to look forward to. Uh, he said, just pray for me. He's trying to be a blessing to his, his sister and his family and show them what it means to, to walk through trials like this with grace. And he said, just, um, just a few, uh, last month, he actually went to uh, Washington State with his mom on vacation. He said, we made a lot of great memories and I believe that's how God was just allowing me to make some final memories of my mom. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who really understands the Christian life. Many times when people go through trials like this, they're just like, why would God do this to me? I'm trying to do the right thing, and he's going to take my mom. Or I prayed really hard that God would spare my mom's life, but he's not going to, and, and now I get upset with God. But when we realize the victory is not having our way, but letting God have his way, that's when we figure out the battle. You see, this battle is not going to be won in the way that Bill wants it done or the way that I want it done. It's going to be won the way that God wants it done. Because at the end of the day, when this battle is finished, I'm not gonna get the glory for how it's won. God's gonna get the glory for how it's done. So when we say God's bringing victory, it might not be the type of victory that we want. But we know that it's not about us, it's about God's glory through this. And the fight is not ours, the fight belongs to the Lord. Whatever happens, we have to come back to who we are in Jesus Christ. I have to come back to the fact that I am his and he is mine, my sins are forgiven, I've been adopted into a family that I did not deserve. You see, we stand with sure footing, not based on our performance. Again, this is not based on how good of a Christian you are or how well you follow the rules. You can stand because you're a son, because you're a daughter, because you have peace with God. You see, we stand not based on our past. Oftentimes, Christians spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror. And that's damaging in one of two ways. If you've had a sinful past, you can look back with a lot of regret. I wish I'd followed Jesus sooner. I wish I hadn't made these mistakes. I wish I hadn't done that thing in college. I wish I hadn't been in this relationship. I wish I hadn't done this or that, and now I've messed everything up. And you're spending too much time looking in the rearview mirror, forgetting that the blood of Christ has covered all of your past sin, so you don't have to look backwards anymore. But I've seen the flip side of that when people look back at the victories from the past as well. Oh, when I was in college, I was president of our uh, campus uh, Bible study that we had. Yeah, back in college, I had a group of guys. We got together and we prayed every single morning before we went to class. Yeah, when I was in college, I fasted for 40 days. What have you done in the last seven days? Well, I was a super Christian back in college. That's great. You're 55 years old now, right? What have you done recently? And sometimes people stand in the performance of what they've done in the past. We have to look forward. So we stand not based on our performance. We stand not based on our past. We stand not based on our pedigree. Oftentimes I see Christians get tripped up because they say, well, pastor, I didn't grow up in a Christian home and so this is really hard for me. Hey, I get it. You know who else didn't grow up in a Christian home? Paul. You know what? Half the people in this room probably didn't grow up in a Christian home. This is not an excuse. By the same token, if you grew up in a Christian home, don't think that that gets you any extra points in your standing with God. So I don't stand based on my past pedigree uh, whether my parents did or did not walk with Christ. And know this, your eternal destination where you go when you die is not based on who your parents were or what your parents did or whether or not your parents followed the Lord or not. I've met people before who they said, hey, if you uh, if you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? I'm 100% sure I'm going to heaven. How do you know for sure? Man, my grandma prays for me every single day and nobody prays like my grandma. Your grandma's prayers, while certainly important, cannot get you to heaven. Well, my dad was a Baptist preacher. That's great. Your dad being a Baptist preacher will not get you to heaven. Your standing with God is yours and yours alone. Now, if you're a parent, you have a responsibility to shape your kids to be like Jesus. That's important. But that your children will not go to heaven based on your standing with God. So our standing with God is based on our own peace with God, a recognition of who we are and who he is. We stand based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why I love the song we sang this morning, The Power of the Cross. We stand forgiven at the cross. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, I stand forgiven before God. I stand in the power of the cross, not in my own power, but in my identity found in Jesus Christ. Now, because you and I have found this peace, this truth of the gospel compels us to share this freedom with others because I can stand despite my past, despite my own shortcomings, because I'm accepted in who Jesus Christ is, I want to tell everybody else about this amazing gift that I found. It should change the way that we live our lives. It should change the message that we have to share with other people. It should change the way that we interact with people in the workplace. It should change every aspect of our life because of who I am in Jesus. Because I have peace with God, I want others to have peace with God. Here's the thing. When it comes to this spiritual battle, all those that are not on God's side are against God. And I wanna do as much as I can in my lifetime to bring people from the enemy side over to the winning side. Because they're not the enemy. They're working on behalf of the enemy. Again, you just have to read verse number 12 in our passage here. It says, we don't fight against flesh and blood. The other people are not our enemy. They bought into a system that is the enemy. And I wanna do everything that I can in my lifetime to take people from the losing side and bring them over to the winning side. How do I do that? By standing. By standing with my identity and who Jesus Christ is. Next we see the shield of faith. Verse number 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, the shield of faith uh, is in, and the Bible speaks of two different types of shields. In this one, the shield of faith would be a tall, probably four foot or so shield that one could hold on to and crouch behind. That is the shield of faith that it's speaking of here. Uh, The other type of shield that we see in the Bible, we see in the book of Psalms, where it says the Lord God is our buckler. Uh, The buckler means a a small circular shield. Think of like a Captain America shield, right? Uh, It's a small circular shield that could be used not only in defense, but also as a weapon to strike as well. It's a beautiful picture when it says that God is our buckler and the fact that he is the shield that can be used for offense as well as defense. God's going to mow down anything that stands in my path and protect me against anything that comes my way. Man, what an awesome picture when the Bible says the Lord is my buckler. Oh, man, that's some good stuff. But the shield of faith here is a large shield. Uh, sometimes if maybe you watch, uh, watch uh, maybe movies where they fight in, uh, in medieval times and things like that, they have a big, huge shield that they would all stand behind. And sometimes they would get multiple shields and link them together and build a wall out of these shields and stand behind them. That's the shield of faith that it speaks of here. The shield of faith is trust in God that will put out the fiery arrows of the enemy. Taking the shield of faith where you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. (laughs) This is a trust that God will put out everything that comes my way. I can stand behind a shield knowing that I'm safe and secure because God's got this. This is how somebody can stand in the face of a trial and say, hey, I'm not really sweating this because I know God's in charge. That's the shield of faith. Hey, anything that comes my way, I'm protected against because I'm standing behind the shield of faith. I'm trusting that God will handle this and will keep me safe and protected one author put it this way, every temptation, directly or indirectly, is a temptation to doubt and distrust God. The purpose of all Satan's missiles, therefore, is to cause the believers to trust in God, to drive a wedge between the Savior and the saved. All the devil wants you to do is just doubt God. That's it. Well, I know the Bible says it should be done this way, but that doesn't really apply to my situation. Well, I know the Bible says this, but can you really believe that? Well, I know the Bible says that, but do you know how old the Bible is? I know the Bible says that, but did you know that the Bible was just written by men? I know the Bible says that, but did you know it's so old we can't even trust it? because Parts of it have been lost, and parts that have been left out, parts that have been mistranslated, and it's been messed up so much throughout the years that we can't even trust it. Know this, the devil's just sitting back going, yeah, got him. Because let me just tell you this: if you and I do not have the word of God, we're toast, done. Without the Bible, I don't know who God is, what he expects of me, my standing before him, what happens in this life and the next. And when problems come my way, I'm just gonna have to try to do the best that I can. But if I have the word of God, I'm not sweating any of that stuff because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am eternally ransomed that when I die, I get to spend eternity with God because he's purchased my soul. And I don't fear what the devil can do to me. I don't fear what this world can do to me because I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I know that all things work together for good to them who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. I know those things because the Bible tells me so. So when the believer begins to doubt God at his word, maybe God's not working this thing out for my good. Maybe God doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe God's forgotten me then the devil begins to launch fiery darts your way to cause you to doubt God. And every sin begins with a temptation to doubt God at his word. Have you ever done this before? Have you ever had the thought in your mind and your heart? You don't have to raise your hand. The thought in your mind or your heart, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyways. If you've ever had that thought before, you have chosen actively to distrust and disobey God. And that's where it all begins. Now, if you're like me, there's been times in your life where you're like, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but now I realize what I did was wrong and I just, I messed up and I just didn't think twice about it. But you have actively thought against rebelling against God. And it didn't just happen that one time, oh yeah, I forgot that one time I was in college, I did that. Oh yeah, that one time my mom told me not to. No, I'm talking about on a regular continual basis, you and I choose to rebel against God. I know I should read my Bible, but I would rather scroll my social media feed. I know I should pray, but last time I prayed, it didn't really do any good. I know I should be in church, but I'm wiped out from this week. And let me help you with something. If there's anybody here this morning that's not tired, that couldn't have used a couple more hours of sleep today, please let me know, okay? I don't think it's the case with anybody. I think all of us are here today because we know we need to be here. But when you choose to doubt God at his word, you're setting down the shield of faith and you are now susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. Satan's fiery arrows put everyone at risk. It's interesting, the uh, word that he uses here, the the fiery darts of the devil, uh, these could be arrows. Uh, Some translations use the word darts like the King James. Other uh, translations of the Bible use the word fiery missiles of the devil. And here's what would typically happen. Archers would take these arrows, and generally they were small arrows, not the really big long arrows that would travel a long distance. They were generally shorter arrows, and on these short arrows, they would dip them in a pitch. And right before they let it fly, they would light the pitch. And the pitch is kind of like a, a thick, kind of like tar stuff. And when the arrow would hit, the arrow hitting itself would not cause the damage. When the arrow would hit, then the pitch would fly everywhere and now catch things on fire around it. So an arrow comes my way and it hits my armor but falls off. The pitch can splatter and cause burns to the face, burns to your hands, burns to anything that's exposed. But... If you have a shield on the outside and the arrows come your way, they hit the shield and if they splatter, that's fine because you're covered behind the shield and nobody gets hurt. The shields were generally either made out of metal or some type of wood uh, covered in leather. These things were meant to withstand these types of fiery darts, fiery missiles that would come. And when they shot them, they didn't just shoot one and kind of see what happened. They would shoot hundreds of them at a time. And they would fall sometimes into maybe a bale of hay that would catch on fire, or maybe into a building that would catch on fire, maybe onto someone's clothing that would catch on fire. And the idea was that this pitch would, would hot splatter everywhere and get on people's skins and, and cause massive injury and really cause chaos. And that's what happens when the devil starts lobbing his arrows and they start hitting and chaos ensues. And before we know it, We've abandoned all of our armor. We're running around crazy, trying to put out this fire that's gotten started, not really knowing how to even do that because we didn't protect ourselves to begin with. The shield provides not only protection for me, but other people around me as well. (laughs) Let me help you with something today, Christian. If you ever in your mind get the idea that your sin only affects you, Please know you have been deceived and you are a fool. Sin is so destructive, it will ruin everything around it. Your sin is like a cancer that grows and grows and grows and infects every person that it touches. I can't overstate this that when we lay down the shield of faith and we say, that's fine, the devil can take his best shots, I'm strong enough to handle it, that's fine, the people around you aren't strong enough to handle it. Men, it's our responsibility to hold the shield for our family and to teach them to hold their own shield. That's our responsibility, to make sure that my family is protected. That until my kids are old enough to stand and hold their own shield in the battle, I got them tight behind my shield. And know this, the second that I lay down my shield, I leave everyone exposed and everyone's at risk. So dangerous, you can't afford it. Next, the shield becomes more powerful as I join together with others. Again, we find this in ancient warfare techniques and the fact that they would take these four foot tall shields that were generally uh, two to three feet wide and they were powerful to keep one person protected. But when they linked together, 10 of these shields. When they link together, 20 of these shields. When they link together, a couple hundred of these shields. Now we created an impenetrable wall that we can seriously cause some damage now. Generally, what would happen is these men would stand with the shields out front creating an impenetrable wall protecting it against these fiery arrows that were coming in while archers and other warriors would stand behind that either making an attack or preparing to launch an attack behind it. Meanwhile, the people on the front lines were protecting and holding the line and standing firm with their feet anchored in their relationship with God. And their shield before them, believing that God's gonna hold back all the attacks that are coming our way because we're getting ready to mount an offense. That's what the shield of faith does for us. And it gets so powerful when we link it together with other people. The principle here is this. It's a good thing if you can stand and hold the line on your own, but you will be much stronger if you get a half dozen other people that are standing in the same line with you. One of the most powerful resources that God has given you is other Christian believers who will hold the same line with you, locked arms with you, shields up together, pushing forward. That's what you need. That's what I need. Our men's leadership night, we had an outstanding time on Friday night. We had a great spread of food. Probably the the best food that we've ever had in the history of our men's get-togethers. It was awesome. We had a great time. And our men ate every single bit of it. Oh, man, we, cle- we cleaned the house. It was awesome. Best part wasn't the food. It was, you know what it was? A bunch of guys sitting around praying together. Here in a, over here and a couple of guys saying, hey, how can I pray for you this week? Okay, you got something going on at work? Yeah, I'm gonna pray for that. Oh, your, your, your wife? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna pray for that. Or your kids starting school? I'm gonna pray for that. I loved hearing that and just seeing guys pray. I hope it encouraged your heart this morning seeing a bunch of dudes up here singing about victory in Jesus. Oh yeah, we're gonna fight, no doubt about it, but the victory's not in us, the victory's in Jesus. He's our savior forever. He sought us and he bought us with his redeeming blood. He loved us, Uh, he loved me before I ever knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood, amen. That should encourage your heart, you know why? Because here's a bunch of guys who are not perfect, none of us, but we've chosen to lock arms with each other and to push forward in the fight, believing that Jesus has given us victory. I need that. You need that. That's why we do what we do at this church. That's why we have small groups on a Wednesday night. That's why I have a single adults group that meets on Friday night. Uh, that's why we have other times where we can get together with other Christians because we need each other. Because it's gonna feel very lonely if you think you're the only one out there holding your shield by yourself and all these fiery arrows are coming your way and you don't know how to fight appropriately. You feel like you're out there by yourself. You're not. You need other people with you. And here's the other thing too. I want to be in battle beside guys that know what they're doing. I don't want to be standing next to a guy that's like, I got this really big shield that I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with it. I want to be with guys that are like, hey, I've been through this before. I've seen this before. I know exactly what to do. Take your shield like this, hold your shoulder into it, put your head down and just know that God's got this. Okay, I can do that. And I need other guys that have been through some battles alongside me fighting with me that know their stuff. And at the same time, I want to grab that guy that's scared to death, that doesn't have the clues to what he's doing, and grab him by the neck and say, hey, dude, hold your shield like this, put your shoulder into it, keep your head down, keep pushing forward. We need that. That's what the church gives us. That's why you need to be a part of a church. Family. It's critical. It's critical for victory and success in this fight. Now, final thoughts this morning. How do we use the shield of faith well? How do we keep our shoes planted firmly? First of all, keep out of the line of fire. Easiest way to not get shot is to stand out of the line of fire. What does that mean? Avoid temptation. Hey, if you're struggling with, I don't know, pornography, first of all, get help from your pastor. Second of all, remove any temptation. Well, it only happens late at night when I'm on my phone. Great, put your phone away late at night. Give somebody a passcode. Uh, (laughs) Here's something crazy. Take your phone out into your driveway, lay it down, get a hammer, smash it into a thousand bits. Well, pastor, that's a little bit, bit extreme, don't you think? Here's extreme. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. That's extreme. If your right hand offends you, what should you do? Cut it off. Pastor, that's pretty extreme. I didn't say that. Jesus did. And so if you can't handle yourself with your cell phone, get rid of your cell phone. Because it would be better to be without a cell phone than to be caught in sin and failure and loss. Hey, this coworker you're a little bit too chummy with? Quit your job. Move to a different department. Do something. Well, that's pretty extreme. Hey, not more extreme than losing everything that you got. I tell single adults, don't be alone with someone of the opposite sex ever. Pastor, that's kind of extreme. I mean, we're older, and, and we, we can handle our temptation and stuff like that. Okay, Fine. You're taking off your shield and you're putting yourself in the line of fire. Just don't do it. Well, it's pretty extreme today, don't you think? Like a couple of 20-somethings that always need a chaperone around. I don't know if it's extreme or not. I just know it helps you avoid temptation. And again, you might say, well, you're, you're an old fogey You're too conservative, whatever. That's fine. I don't want you to get caught up in sexual sin because it's destructive. The Bible says every sin that you're involved with is sin against everybody else. The sexual sin is a sin against your own body. It puts sexual sin in a different category. So do whatever you can to just avoid it. Hey, you got TV shows that you get caught into that that make you think thoughts you shouldn't think or make you say things that you shouldn't say? Guess what? Just get rid of them. Don't put yourself in the line of fire. You know what's funny is when (coughs) people look at buying a house in a neighborhood or looking at uh, putting their kids uh, in in a new neighborhood or something like that, they always look at what kind of schools do they have and what does crime look like here? And one of the things that a real estate professional will tell you was drive the area at night and see what it looks like, right? And, and we will always want to choose a place that doesn't look like it's got a lot of crime or not a lot of gang activity or something like that. And, and many times we don't have the same forethought in the way that we live our lives. I don't want to be involved in this activity that's full of sin. I don't want to hang out with these people that all they do is sin. I want to remove myself from that. The Bible says that, that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom he, he knew there was a city that was full of sin, and he put his front porch facing that sin. And before he knew it, guess what? He had moved down into Sodom. Avoid temptation, run from it. I'm not trying to see how tough you are in the fight. I'm saying if you don't have to get in the fight, don't fight. Avoid temptation, stay out of the line of fire. Next, be secure and find peace in Jesus, not your performance. I hope every single day you're trying to be a good Christian. And everything that comes with that loving others serving jesus spending time in the word spending time in prayer spending time in good christian fellowship i hope you're looking at your own life and trying to find areas where you can take a step up in your christian maturity but please understand you are not your performance and you're not accepted in god by your performance because many times people with a performance mentality think that when i slip up i'm toast i'm good i'm done i'm no good I'm of no use to Christ anymore because I messed up this one time. You are not your performance. You are accepted and loved based on what Jesus has done for you. Next, this is critical. When the fiery arrows come, and they will, dig deeper into your faith. Don't abandon it. Oh, my soul, friend, when difficult times come, you will be at a crossroads to either dig deeper in or to cut and run. Let me just know, when you cut and run, you will not win. How about this? I know the fireyard arrows are coming. I know they're destructive. But I'm going to hang on to that shield of faith like I've never held on to anything in my life. And I'm going to dig my shoulder into it. And I'm just going to pray for the strength that I need to stand firm. I'm going to stand. But many people, when trials come, they bail. They throw their... their, their down and they take off running. Well, I thought the battle would be easier than this. What part about battle is easy? Nothing. And and understand, this never says anything about the Christian life being easy. Never. But it does promise victory. Next, link together with other believers to fortify your position. Hey, I need to bring other people along on this journey with me. I need a guy that's never been in a fight before and I need him beside me to show him how to fight. That's called discipleship. I need to be around some guys that have walked the path before. That's why I'm thankful that there's some men in this church that have raised their kids that that are in their 20s and 30s that are still serving Jesus. I wanna be around guys like that. I wanna be around guys who have had a good career and have kept their integrity and their honor in place and they're looked up to uh, by their coworkers as a person of integrity and commitment. I wanna be around guys like that but I also want to have a couple of dudes under my wings that are struggling are maybe uh, failing in their fight. Maybe they've laid down their, their shield, but now they're trying to come back to it. We need each other. That's why we have to do this together. Last thought. Remember that the battle's won as long as we keep fighting. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You will win. Just keep fighting. Don't give up. The only way that you can fail, the only way that you can fail is just to quit because you've been guaranteed victory. If you fight in accordance with the instructions that have been given you, you are promised to win. But every person that that wins, it's because they quit. And know this, if you've quit, if you've failed, if you've blown it, great. Grab your shield, put your shoes back on, stand firm, and stay in the fight. Here's the great news about who Jesus Christ is. You can never leave him. It doesn't work that way. Oftentimes people say, well, pastor, I made a commitment to Christ, and then I walked away from it, and I did my own thing for 10 years, and I'm not sure if I can come back. Huh, friend, the door is always open, always Pastor, I blew it last week. I don't know if I can keep doing this. You can. Stay in the fight. Stand on the line. Stand firm. Dig in. Grab some other guys with you. Grab some other ladies with you. Stand firm in the fight because we've promised victory. Do not give up. Most important thing in the world. Are you on the Lord's side? Now, the only way that you can be on the Lord's side is to choose to join. Join. There must be a time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There must be a time where you were born again, where you were saved. If not, please know this, you're fighting on the wrong side this morning. It's time for you to come over to the right side, to the winning side. But you have to recognize, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ. I'm willing today to put my faith and trust in him. And you can be immediately outfitted for battle on the winning side. It's a beautiful thing. But for those of us that are Christians that are here today, keep fighting, don't quit, you'll be discouraged, but you have to know how the devil fights. Disinformation, doubt, discouragement, depression, all these things are coming your way. But you can just say, hey, I got my shield and I know the Lord's got this. I'm trusting him. I believe in his promises. I know who I am in Jesus Christ and I'm gonna screw my feet down a little bit deeper into the soil. I'm gonna lean into my shield and I'm gonna trust that the captain of the army is going to take it from here. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's faithful. Stay in the fight. Don't quit. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.